You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox, your daily TCU podcast coming at you on a Monday. I hope you enjoyed Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Rams get it done. That's who I thought would win before the game. Didn't really play out how I expected to, even though I felt like LA's defensive line would eventually kind of take over, and they did there in the second half. Um, officials got too involved for my liking late in that game. I thought that holding call Logan Wilson, like, was it technically holding? Yeah, but I also feel like um, in that moment, you could have let that play out a little bit more. But anyway, Rams, they get it done over the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow and that Bengals team was a great story, but they fall just short in the Super Bowl. But that's not what you're here uh, to listen to is my takes about the Super Bowl. Uh, what you want to hear about is TCU Athletics, and we're going to start today with some TCU basketball talk before. In segment two, we're actually going to talk about um, an article that came out on ESPN Plus a few days ago, but I felt like it was a good sort of big picture look at the future of the Big 12 with some of the expansion that's coming in the conference. But right now, I want to talk TCU basketball because the Frogs went on the road against Texas Tech on Saturday, and, you know, I mean, obviously, if you said before the game, TCU loses by 13 to Tech in Lubbock. Um, that would be disappointing, but it wouldn't be surprising, and you probably wouldn't bat really an eye at that at all. You'd say, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh, the way that game played out, though, was super disappointing. TCU, the first 10 minutes of the game, was just absolutely on fire. Um, hitting threes from everywhere on the floor. Damian Bob and Mike Miles were fantastic. And, you know, their stat line ended up being pretty solid. Miles came back from that wrist injury. Had 16 points on five of nine shooting, two of three from beyond the arc. Um, he looked good. He looked smooth. But the second half of that game was just an absolute rout by Texas Tech. They outscored the Frogs in the second half, 45 to 29, and it honestly wasn't even really that close. The final score was 82-69. TCU hit some uh, threes late in the game to make the score more respectable, but Tech pushed that lead out to you know 20 plus points in the second half, and TCU was up 35-22 with about five minutes left in the first half. And it looked like, man, this the offense was cooking. They were getting great looks. They were hitting contested shots. Everything was working for the Horned Frogs. And that stretch um, at the end of the first half was just absolutely critical. They ended up going into the halftime break only with a uh, with a three point lead, they're at forty to thirty seven at halftime. As Tech just sort of slowly chipped away at that lead, they were also up nine with about three forty three, I think it was, left in the first half before Tech went on a crazy run. Uh, Kevin McCuller, one of the better players for Texas Tech, one of their guards, he sprained an ankle actually stepping on Jamie Dixon's foot um, as he was coming back down the floor. Uh, Dixon was out of bounds, but it was just a freak accident. And TCU's up by 13. It just sort of felt like, okay, hey, they might get this done. And it was just an absolute meltdown um, from that moment moving forward. And a ton of turnovers. Again, 20 turnovers on the day. Uh, and most of those, you know, at the end of the first half and then into the second half, defensively, they did not play well, and this is becoming a trend. Now, part of that was Tech got a lot of buckets 
in transition, got some easy offense, but they shot 53% from the field, 55% from three, but they only took um, nine attempts from beyond the arc in that game. And then 72% from the charity stripe and got to the charity stripe often as TCU was in foul trouble. Micah Peavy, uh, you know, you felt like that might be, this might be a, a big game for him, a game where he could come in motivated. He didn't play well. He hit a three in his first few minutes of action, but honestly, uh, five points, fouled out of the game, you know, early in the second half. He just didn't play well and, and hasn't, um, he's been one of the few guys on this roster that I would say hasn't really lived up to expectations so far this season. Emmanuel Miller, who I hyped up a lot after that Oklahoma State game, is just a dude who has been incredibly consistent. He had a really tough game, only four points on two of seven shooting. Um, Eddie, Ed O'Bannon Jr. did not have his best shooting night. Just after Ball and Miller, or excuse me, Ball and Mike Miles were able to get things going early in the game, it just absolutely fell off a cliff for TCU. So it's a disappointing loss. And it's really the first time this year, I mean, this team has given up leads. Like, that's not been an uncommon thing. We've talked about that at length. Um, but that's been a problem for the majority of the season. But that just felt like, I mean, it felt like they kind of laid down, down the stretch in this one. Um, as as things started to snowball, the crowd got into it. You know, Jimmy Dixon kept calling timeouts, trying to get the guys refocused, trying to get the guys settled down. And it never really worked. Um, there were some frustration fouls later in the game. It just seemed like they totally lost their composure. And honestly, they've been pretty solid on the road. So it was surprising to see them fold down the stretch like that. Now, the game in itself, as I said sort of at the beginning of the segment, not really affecting you a whole lot one way or the other. Um, it does set up a pretty critical matchup, though, with Iowa State at home on Tuesday. Iowa State is still ranked pretty well in Ken Palm and the net and these services that sort of rank teams, even though they're not a very good basketball team. Like, they had a really good non-conference run, but in conference play, they've been bad. Um, so TCU has to find a way to get a win at home. You know, they, they were able to get done on the road in Ames earlier this year. Got to win that game against Iowa State. Need to find a way to win the games against West Virginia that are left on the schedule and then hopefully steal – uh, you know, one from one of the top tier teams on the league. One thing that's been disappointing about this TCU group so far is, you know, we haven't seen them against Kansas yet, but against Baylor, against Texas Tech, um, you know, against Baylor, they hung around for a lot of that game. But against Baylor, against Texas Tech, you know, the final score, it was sort of a blowout. Against Texas, they got run out of the gym. So the, the elite teams in this conference, they haven't really been able to match up well. Um Wanted to close with this. I thought this was super interesting. I was listening to the pregame show uh, on the IMG network, Brian Estridge and John Denton on the call, and Estridge was interviewing Jamie Dixon, and Coach was just talking about the team. And one guy that he mentioned, and Estridge actually brought this up, uh, Jacoby Coles. They're really excited about Jacoby Coles. Now, he has not been super effective for TCU this year. He can shoot a little bit, uh, but that's really all he's contributed this season, but to hear Estridge and Dixon talk about Coles, they really like his potential if they can get him, Dixon said this, he was like, we need to get his body in a better condition, and apparently he had a setback, he had a COVID, or he had COVID, and that sort of set him back physically, got him out of shape, but I just thought that was interesting, that's just a name I would watch in the offseason, or if somebody 
they're excited about Jacoby Coles, even though he hasn't got a lot of run this year. The transfer from Butler, um, they like what he can potentially bring to the table. When we come back, I want to talk about the future of the Big 12. That's coming up next on Locked on Horn Frogs. Welcome back to Locked on Horn Frogs. Uh, so I was looking around this weekend trying to catch up on some reading, and I came across this article from Adam Rittenberg, who covers college football for ESPN, and it was written on ESPN Plus. So sorry if you don't have you know, the, the way around the paywall there. But um, it was about the Big 12, and it was essentially Rittenberg talked with Bob Bowlesby. He talked with uh, Mac Rhodes at Baylor, some other movers and shakers within the league about, you know, the feeling post immediately after the Texas and OU exit where there was so much uncertainty around the league. It really looked like everybody was trying to jump ship. There were rumors about TCU and the Pac-12. Um you know, everybody was sort of trying to find their own way. And it seemed like at that time the Big 12 was going to dissolve and it wouldn't exist anymore and everyone would just sort of be on their own trying to find the life raft out and, you know, out of there and into hopefully somewhere in the Power Five. We all know now that didn't happen. Uh, the Big 12 ended up going through expansion, right? So Texas and OU are going to leave eventually. And in the coming years, BYU is going to join along with UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati. And obviously, this is not surprising that the Big 12 leadership and brass would maintain this publicly, but they're excited about it. Now, what I found intriguing about it is they brought up the example of the Baylor and Oklahoma State Big 12 title game this year. It did really well from a range perspective. Um, it did not see this huge dip that people thought there might be without Texas and Oklahoma in the game. So there was an argument made by the Big 12 folks talking to Rittenberg that, hey, you know, we're not really losing a lot of ground here. Now, I'll call a little bit of BS on that. I mean, we can be frank about this. Texas and Oklahoma are a big draw, right? Like, they are the two big brand names in the conference. Um, them leaving the conference is going to hurt TV ratings overall. Now, that being said, I think conference title games, uh, they're on a national stage. They kind of have their own Saturday sectioned off now. People are conditioned to watching it. I think no matter who's in those games, folks are going to tune in. Secondly, and I've kind of said, I've said this multiple times over the past few months, and I'll reiterate it here. I don't really care about TV ratings. Like, as a fan, I don't. I don't care about revenue shares, and I know that in a roundabout way I should, and I think the main reason that fans should care, or the fans care might be the wrong word, that fans should at least be aware of what kind of money's coming in and what it means, is that a lot of non-revenue sports get supplemented by the TV money that football and basketball brings in. So, for TCU soccer, for example, which is you know, under Eric Bell, become a top-notch program in the last few years. Has had some great runs in the NCAA tournament, has made really good upgrades to facilities. Um, I mean, that's a program that's benefited from being in the Big 12, from being in a Power 5 conference, not just from the uh, standpoint of it's a brand, it's, you know, Power 5 soccer, it's something to sell to recruits, especially in the DFW talent-rich area, but also from a monetary perspective. Um, baseball had a ton of success in the Mountain West. And I think there's something to be said also about that being sustained in the Big 12. And I'm sure that part of that is, you know, the commitment that TCU has made to the baseball program through uh, the different revenue streams that they have available to them. 
So you're going to lose some of that. But what I care about is winning. <laughs> like, that's all I care about. I think Texas and OU leaving, and even though you're getting some really good programs coming in, I mean, Cincinnati has an argument for one, I mean, like top two, top three program in the country in the last few seasons. They have been incredible. Um, UCF had a great run there for a few years, and they're still pretty solid. We know that Houston has the potential to be really, really good. They've shown that in the past. And Holgerson's a great coach. Um, BYU, they have a, a brand name associated with the LDS Church, and they've had a lot of success in the past. They have a number of good athletic programs. So it's going to be a competitive league. I think it's going to be a fun league. Um, I'm not super worried about the long-term health because I think the only thing that really hurts the league as it will be constructed would be respect from the college football playoff committee. And the only way to get respect from the college football playoff committee is to get in and then win those games. Um, so that's going to be tough to do, but to be frank about it, I mean, Oklahoma has gotten in a few times. They haven't been able to close it out and win. So it's not like OU in Texas, even though from a historical perspective, they carry a lot of clout. It's not like either of those schools have been tearing it up and may have been making it to the college football playoff and advancing there. So uh, I like the direction of the Big 12. And I don't think we need to be – um, untruthful about it. Like we don't have to come out here and say, "Oh yeah, the league is in great shape, and it's just going to be um, as healthy as when Texas know you were there." From a monetary perspective, from a brand standpoint, but you got twelve teams that I think want to be there, that want the best for themselves, want the best for each other, and could come to that, could come together, excuse me, and create something really special. And then you look at twelve. That'll do it for Locked On Horn Frogs today. I'm Stephen Simcox. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, it's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.